You may recall that in the most recent Miss USA pageant, the eventual winner, Kara McCullough, Miss Washington, D.C., was asked a question about health care. Let's listen to the question and her answer. Do you think affordable health care for all U.S. citizens is a right or a privilege, and why? I'm definitely going to say it's a privilege. Now, the next morning, in an interview on Good Morning America, she made a clarification, and it sounded like this. But I would like to just take this moment to truly just clarify, because I am a woman, I'm going to own what I said. I am privileged to have health care, and I do believe that it should be a right. And I hope and pray moving forward that health care is a right for all worldwide. This is the Free to be Free podcast, encouraging you to assert your liberty, because you are free to be free. Now, I would like to give the new Miss USA, Kara McCullough, credit for handling that difficult situation with dignity and poise. After all, she did not ask to be put into that situation. She was participating in a non-political beauty pageant, and she was the victim of somebody who had ability to select the questions or write the questions. And this person or persons felt the need to inject a political argument into an apolitical event. This was further compounded by the fact that she was given a question that offered a false dichotomy, a choice between two answers which did not have a basis in reality. She was asked if health care should be a right or a privilege, and this just does not properly define the debate over health care. In her defense, I want to give her credit for her answer, and if I take her answer on the evening before in the pageant and her clarification on Good Morning America together and take her at her word, I think she just answered in a way of saying, I think health care is a privilege, meaning I feel privileged to have health care or I am grateful for the coverage that I have and not really trying to enter the political debate of whether it should be a right or a privilege. Although in her Good Morning America comments, she said she does look forward to the day that everybody in the world has a right to health care. But for the purposes of this podcast, this offers a great introduction to an analysis of just exactly what is a right, what is a privilege, and what other options are there for classifying things like health care or education? Let's start with a definition of what a right is. The best way to think of a right is it is a just claim. Now, this is not just any claim, but it must be a just claim, meaning a fair claim. Now, how do we determine if a claim is just or fair? To determine this, we must understand that rights do not exist in a vacuum. Rights or claims have to do with relationships with other people. So anytime that we assert that we have a right, we must understand 
that a right has a corresponding duty that it imposes upon others. And for a right to be a just claim, we can look at the duty that it imposes on others and determine if that is a just or fair duty. So let's take an example that we're probably all familiar with, and it's called the right of way. This probably makes sense. So when you're driving along and you come up on an intersection, you have the right of way if there is no stop sign on your side of the road, but the opposite direction on the intersection, drivers may have a stop sign there. So when we say you have a right of way, meaning you don't have to slow down or yield or stop for traffic coming in the other direction, what you're also saying is that any other drivers on the intersecting road have a duty to stop and allow you to pass. And that's what we call a right of way. And it's probably a great example of how a right for you creates a duty for others. And we can extend this to other rights. For example, if I assert that I have a right to life, a right to my life, I am also asserting that every other person in the world has a duty to respect that life, meaning they cannot threaten my life, they cannot try to harm me, they cannot kill me. That is the duty that I am imposing on others. So if we want to determine if something that we claim is a right is a just claim, a good way to look at it is to understand the duty that we're implying that all others have. And if that duty appears to be fair or reasonable, we can then claim that this right is a just claim and therefore a legitimate right. So I think it's helpful to think of our society as a balancing act between rights and duties. My rights are always in competition with the duties that are imposed upon me by the rights of others. And vice versa, the duties that I impose upon others is always in competition with their rights as well. That means in a free society, I do not have unlimited liberty. My liberty and my freedom is always bound by my duty to others and vice versa. It's also helpful in this analysis to look at rights from a different dimension. And that is, there are two types of rights. A person can have natural rights and legal rights. So natural rights are those that don't depend on laws or customs. They just arise either out of our humanity or, as the Declaration of Independence says, rights which we are endowed by our Creator. And these rights are often considered unalienable or inalienable, whichever term you want to use, which means that they cannot be separated from us. They cannot be taken from us even by a government. The other type of right is a legal right, which is a right that is specifically granted or bestowed by a legal system. So let's look at some examples of these. My right to life is a natural right. And this is given to me by my creator. And it's specifically mentioned in the Declaration of Independence as an example of an inalienable right. So it's one that a government cannot take away from me. 
a legal right then is one that is specifically granted by a legal system. And a good example of that may be your right to vote. Your right to vote is dependent upon the government, the legal system that we have, and you are granted that right by being a citizen of the United States. Now let's look at these two examples in a different way. I gave you the example of the right to life. Life is a natural right where you're endowed by your creator. And I use the example of voting as a legal right. But wait a minute, there is a difference here, right? A right to life is something that everybody has. Every person has this right to their life. However, a right to vote is not a general right in the same way that the right to life is, correct? So to vote in the United States, you have to be a citizen and you have to be at least 18 years old. So a right of this type that is limited to a special class, in essence, you have to earn that right by, in the case of the right to vote, being a citizen and being at least 18 years old. A special term for this would be a privilege. It's a right that is bestowed to a group of people, but not generally to everyone. And looking at things this way might help you see how the question that was posed to Miss USA was a false dichotomy. She was asked if healthcare is a right or a privilege. And actually, a privilege is a right. It's just a right that is not granted to the population in general. It's granted to a select few. So what she was being asked, essentially, is healthcare something that should be available to everybody or just a select few people? And that is just an unreasonable question. There is no reason to say certain people should not have access to health care based on some criteria like their age or their citizen or something like that. Now let's slice this a little bit different way to provide us some deeper insight into the question that Miss USA was asked. Another way to look at rights is they can be liberty rights or claim rights. And what I mean by that, a liberty right is a right you have to do something and the duty that that right imposes on others is to simply allow you to do that activity. They don't really have to do anything or actively support or provide your right. On the other hand, a claim right is when you are actually imposing on another party an action or something they affirmatively have to do. So let's take a look at this. A great example of a liberty right is the right to free speech. And I'm obviously exercising my right to free speech in publishing this podcast. And it's a liberty right because in order to respect my right, the thing that everybody else has to do is nothing. They don't have to provide me the medium to do this podcast to express my ideas. They don't even have to subscribe or even listen to it. And that is a liberty right. However, a claim right is a right where somebody else has to do something affirmative. And the right of way, the example that I used a little earlier, is a perfect example of a claim right. Because in order to respect my right of way in that intersection example, a person coming in the other direction has to respect or grant my right of way 
by putting their foot on the brake and stopping and letting me pass. So with that background, I would like to turn to what I believe is the most clear and succinct and perhaps well-known Declaration of Rights, and these words may sound familiar to you. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. And I'm sure you recognize that as an excerpt from the Declaration of Independence. I'd like to look at this declaration a bit more closely using some of the material we've already covered here. So when Jefferson writes, we hold these truths to be self-evident, he is saying that what follows here should be obvious to anyone. He says that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Well, what kind of rights is he talking about here? He is clearly talking about natural rights, those rights that each of us is born with, and these rights are common to all people. It's not a privilege. It's a common right, and it's unalienable. It cannot be separated from the person. These rights cannot be taken away by any person or any government. Now, he goes on to say, among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And again, these are natural rights which we are all born with. And then he goes on to define the role of government, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. So Jefferson is declaring that the purpose of government is to secure or protect our natural rights. What is noteworthy here is that the only thing he is talking about are natural rights. There's no discussion here of legal rights, rights which may be provided by the government, as we spoke of earlier, like the right to vote, for example. Now, Jefferson found inspiration for these words in the Virginia Declaration of Rights, which was authored by Colonel George Mason. And I would like to read that as well, and you'll see echoes of the Declaration of Independence here. The Virginia Declaration of Rights, Section 1, that all men are by nature equally free and independent and have certain inherent rights of which, when they enter into a state of society, they cannot, by any compact, deprive or divest their prosperity, namely the enjoyment of life and liberty with the means of acquiring and possessing property and pursuing and obtaining happiness and safety. Section 2. That all power is vested in and consequently derived from the people. That magistrates are their trustees and servants and at all times amenable to them. Now, these concepts found in the Virginia Declaration of Rights and the Declaration of Independence can be traced back to a British political philosopher by the name of John Locke. And in his two treatises on government, published in the late 1600s, he develops these concepts of natural and unalienable rights, 
the basic rights to life, liberty, and property, and the concept that government derives its power from the people and not the other way around. Now, I know we've covered a lot of material here, so let's try to summarize what we've covered so far. And I've come up with eight key points. First, our natural rights do not come from the government. They come from our creator. We enter into government already owning these rights. Our natural rights pre-exist the formation of any government. Second, natural rights include life, liberty, and property. Third, government is instituted to protect or secure our natural rights. That's its main purpose. Number four, the government derives its power from the people, not the other way around. Number five, our natural rights are limited by the duty imposed upon us by the natural rights of others in a free society. Remember we talked about anytime we have a claim to a right, we are also creating a duty upon everyone else to observe that right. Number six, our natural rights impose the same duty upon the government to respect our rights that it does on everyone else in a free society. Number seven, governments do have the authority to grant legal rights and privileges. And we gave some examples of that. One uh, may be voting. Another good example might be a driver's license. Number eight, the rights and privileges granted by government should not infringe upon our natural rights. Any legal rights which are granted should not infringe upon the natural rights that we already have when we enter into government. So it should be clear, or may I say self-evident, that health care as a right in the form of putting a claim on someone else to provide or pay for your health care is not a natural right. Although I'd have to admit, there do exist legal rights to health care in the form of privileges that our government provides today. Uh, three examples that I would give of this are Medicare, Medicaid, and VA benefits for health care. I would call each of these legal rights privileges because you have to be over 65 to have a claim on Medicare. You have to be below a certain income to have a claim on Medicaid. And you have to be a veteran to have access to the VA for health care benefits. So a good question would be, does the government infringe upon any of our natural rights in providing services or rights or privileges such as Medicare, Medicaid, and VA medical benefits. Well, let's take VA medical benefits first. I would argue that there is not an infringement upon our rights, our natural rights in providing VA benefits. I see that as, as more an organization providing healthcare to employees or former employees in the form of retiree benefits and providing for our common defense is a legitimate and express power of the government. Now in terms of providing Medicare and Medicaid 
as a right or a privilege, I would argue that that probably does infringe upon our natural rights. I'm sure you can figure this out if you just look at your paycheck because you are paying Medicare and Medicaid taxes and that is an infringement of your right to your property and the beneficiaries of these rights are not federal employees or formal federal employees like a veteran would be who are the result of a legitimate and express power of the government. Now at this point even though I've arrived at these conclusions through what I believe is the logical analysis of rights, our natural rights, and the proper role of government, many would just conclude that I'm cold and heartless and I don't care about seniors who need health care. I don't care about those who may not be able to afford health care on their own, but nothing could be further than the truth. So I want to share with you a quote from Friedrich Bastiat, and he was the author of many works on economics and political economy, a Frenchman. And one of his most influ influential writings is a, a short pamphlet called The Law, which was published in 1850. And here is one of my favorite quotes from Bastiat's The Law. Socialism, like the ancient ideas from which it springs, confuses the distinction between government and society. As a result of this, every time we object to a thing being done by government, the socialists conclude that we object to its being done at all. We disapprove of the state education, then the socialists say that we are opposed to any education. We object to a state religion, then the socialist says that we want no religion at all. We object to a state enforced equality, then they say that we are against equality, and so on and so on. It is as if the socialists were to accuse us of not wanting persons to eat because we do not want the state to raise grain. The insight that Bastiat has here is that government is not our only option for providing things like health care and education. He refers to this option as society and it is simply the free market, the free interaction of individuals. And when people exchange things in the free market, the things they exchange we generally refer to as goods. Now, usually we think of goods as something physical or tangible. Sometimes you hear the term goods and services, services to refer to the intangibles. But I'm just going to use the word goods. So what Bastiat is saying is just because we come to the conclusion that something should not be provided to people as a legal right through government does not mean we think it should not be provided at all. What it does mean is we think it is maybe superior to provide that thing, that good, through society, through the interaction of the free market rather than through government. Now with that conclusion, someone may say, but wait, even the free market does not provide for everyone. Some people are going to be left out because they still won't be able to afford something like health care. And you're just being cold and leaving some people out. Well, I would point out that when something is provided through government as a legal right, 
like healthcare, one of the unintended consequences is that it crowds out charity and private giving and other things like that. And those are things that the free market provides as well as goods and services. But to wrap this up, let's get back to the question that was asked of Miss USA. If you recall, she was asked, do you believe healthcare is a right or a privilege? And again, as I said, that is not a fair question. I think a more useful and more enlightened question may have been, do you think healthcare is best provided to people through the government as a legal right or through the free market as a good? Which of those options do you believe will result in the highest quality, lowest cost care easily available to the most people? So I believe that is the fair way to frame the debate that we are currently having over healthcare. I hope you found this enlightening. Now, as usual, I always have homework if you're so inclined. I'm gonna post in the show notes a link to the Declaration of Independence, the Virginia Declaration of Rights, and that wonderful pamphlet, The Law by Bastiat. And I'd encourage you to take the time to read through those and do some thinking and come to your own conclusions on these issues. Thanks for listening. I would really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe and share the Free to Be Free podcast. This is the Free to Be Free podcast. I'm Paul Phillips. The opinions expressed in this podcast are my own. You can learn more about the Convention of States project at conventionofstates.com. You can also find the Convention of States project on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. The most important thing that you can do at conventionofstates.com is to study and learn the issue for yourself. Then you'll want to sign the petition. This will let your state legislators know that you are ready to assert your liberty through an Article 5 Convention of the States. Until next time, stay free, my friends. 